<laughs> well, I just want to say, uh, I learned some things about Australia this week as well. Did you know that in the, in the nation of Australia that 90% of the population lives on the coast? Of course, it's got a big coastline. Because the interior of Australia is a really hot desert, like Death Valley. And, um, and then we learned about like the eucalypt forest, which is where the koala bears live because they, they love eucalyptus leaves, right? Um, the Great Barrier Reef. What a privilege today I get to preach like I've never preached before from the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> Cooper Petty is uh, out in the desert. It's an opal mine. I'm gonna, I wrote down in my task list this week, I'm going to look that up and uh, Google it and uh, learn more about it. It's an underground city. Um, because the mine is out there and it's really, really hot in the desert. But all these different ones, and maybe you've heard of Sydney, but Uluru is a, is a big rock formation that's uh, uh, a destination place. To, you got to see it. Um, anyway, Zoomerang, uh, based around the boomerang, and then we did a lot of zooming around this week, so Zoomerang, and uh, re- about, the, about the sanctity of life. And for our scripture, the focus scripture for the whole week was Psalm 139. And here's some of those verses that the the kids were focused on this week. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And your children had a great week focused on these five themes, and Pastor Kelsey mentioned them a little earlier but, but I, I just wanted to highlight them with a little commentary, and all of it in an Australian flavor, so it was really fun. Um, but we are made in God's image. That they quoted Genesis 1.27 this morning. God said, let us make man in our image, and he did. And secondly, we're made with amazing design. It's, it's on purpose the way we were made and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It, 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 we're made special. We're complex. I, I think about that whenever I get a little fever, and you think about that, and you just, of course, guys struggle with that. We ache all over, and we just feel horrible, and we just have to go to bed and lie down. And I don't know, maybe it's different at your house. My wife says, get up, Fred, you're not that sick. Anyway, <laughs> if your body temperature goes up one degree, think about that. You, you're like, oh. I feel horrible. I'm achy all over. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's quite a balance to everything that's going on, on inside our bodies. But amazing design that only uh, an infinitely wise creator God could have put together like that. And then we're made with worth, and we have to recognize that worth um, to see that there is value in our life here on earth, that we're important not only because God placed us here in this time to live these days, these years, but we're important because we're interconnected too. We have worth, and God made us with that worth, enough that Jesus would go to the cross and die for us that we could be his. 
And the fourth one, made for relationship. And that's uh, on Thursday night, that's where we really talked about made for a relationship with God and talked about what Christ did at the cross and then how we can have relationship with God, each of us personally. The God who made us, who made us so special, who made us complex, who made us with worth, he wants to be our Savior and our friend. And the fifth one is we are made for a reason, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And if you look around our world today, you'll see that there are many people who are leaving this earth prematurely because they don't recognize these values. They don't think they have much worth, at least not enough to continue in this world. They don't understand that there's a God who's pursuing them, who loves them infinitely and longs to come and, and take care of the hurts and live in them and help them through the struggles of life. And they don't realize they were made for a reason that's even beyond this world. And so it has been a real privilege to have your kids here to be able to have these, these themes highlighted for their lives. So thank you again, parents. And, uh, and we would love to partner with you as a church that these values keep getting emphasized in their lives. It's, it's really values that we stand on um, because we stand on God's Word. In his book, Think, Act, and Be Like Jesus, Randy Frazee writes that there are at least two things that God is not. God is not uninvolved in the world. Some would say that God is uninvolved in creation with no plan at all. Like, like it's a random thing. It's a, it's a big bang or whatever God did, it's just like it happened and it, it's done. And if you're a philosopher, that's fatalism. We're just left here to do whatever we do for the amount of time our heart keeps beating. There's no plan. God did it, and then he just abandoned us. And that line of reasoning says that the bad things that happen in the world are there because there's no God and there's no plan. So bad stuff's just going to happen. Or if there is a God, he, he set this world up in such a way that our choices and our actions don't matter. It's irrelevant. What's going to happen is going to happen. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. And we're just left to fate. That philosophy is behind the bumper sticker that says stuff happens. I edited that slightly for the sermon. Two things that God is not. One is he's not uninvolved in the world. And secondly, he's not uninvolved in our lives. Some say that God was involved in creating but detached himself. And God created the world like a cosmic watch that he wound up for however many centuries or eons it will go on and will let the natural laws just run their course. And both of those philosophies run counter to what the Bible teaches us. What we gather from God's Word is that God knows and cares about you. 
The Bible affirms that truth over and over, and I'm going to share some of those Bible verses with you. The one goes back to our theme for this week, Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Even before you were born, before your parents named you, before you were known as a baby here on the earth, God was at work because he knows you. He's known you from the start, and he cares about you. Here's another scripture verse. For I know the plans I have for you. God said to the ancient Israelites through the prophet Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And in this world of chaos, where, where many times we don't have control over the things that happen, Romans 8.28 is another reminder that God knows and cares about you. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And even in the worst things that we can experience, God is with us. He knows our needs. He is is there for us, caring for us. As the psalmist said in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God knows and cares about you. That is something that his, his word, the Bible, makes so clear to us. And there's a second area I want to emphasize, and that is that God then wants to work out his plan in your life. The Apostle Paul spoke to Christ followers back there in the New Testament times, and he gave them this assurance, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Another Bible translation says, until the day that Jesus returns for us. Now, I want you to think about this. Your desire to let God work his plan in your life hinges on your belief that God is good. Let me say that again. Your desire to let God work his plan in your life hinges on your belief that God is good. And the Bible makes it clear he is good. But I've been a pastor long enough to hear a lot of people tell me their stories, horror stories, of abuses and pain and tragedy that struck their life, and and it's caused them to not believe God is good, to think, he did this to me. How could a good God do that? And if that's your situation, we can have a long talk, because I'd like to show you where God is in the middle of all that horrible stuff that can happen. Tragedy and abuse happen in this world because it is filled with sin. Life is not fair, but God is still good. Did you get that? Life is not fair, but God is still good. When we look at the life of Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he He wept over the separation that death causes. 
He looked at the city of Jerusalem that had rejected him, and he had remorse for, for he came to help them. He came to save them, and they turned and pushed him away. Because God is good, he has been there when the worst things have happened in your life. And I'm here to get to say this. He's here today to help you with whatever you're having to deal with. So, believing that God is good brings hope to us. That's why when you walk in our doors, you see a little sign on the door. It says, hope is here. We don't want you to miss that. Because there's too many people in this world living without hope, and hope is here because Jesus is here, and his word is speaking, and it is telling us that we serve a good God who is going to help us even through the tragedies of life. So believing that God is good brings hope. Believing that God is good brings joy. And that's a missing factor in so many corners of our world. It lacks joy. You need joy in your life. Joy and hope work together, and they, and they build us up, and they help us wake up in the morning to face the day. You need joy, and you need hope, and it comes from God. And if you believe that God wants to be active and involved in your life, that he cares deeply for you, that he wants to be in a relationship with you and reveal his plan to you, then even in the tough times, you begin to see God is working here. Sometimes our view of God is so limited, so small. It's so narrow that we miss how big he is, and then how good he is. Six blind men were discussing what an elephant is like. The one touching the elephant's broad side said, an elephant is like a wall. One of them who, who touched the tusks felt the smoothness of those tusks and then the sharp tips and said, an elephant is like a spear. One of them touched the trunk, and that elephant was, was feeding, and so he would roll his trunk up to his mouth and then let it back out. And, and when that man touched the trunk, he said, an elephant's like a snake. One of them touched his leg, and he saw how, how strong those legs are and how big around they are, and he said, an elephant is like a tree. One of them reached up and touched the elephant's ear and thought of those ancient fans and said, an elephant's like a fan. One of them grabbed a hold of his swinging tail and said, an elephant's like a rope. And they were all partly right, but they were all partly wrong because they couldn't see the elephant. They didn't get the whole picture. And we're living in a world where there's a million voices talking about God. They're not all talking about the same God. But people who have different perspectives and thoughts about what God is like and who he is and how approachable he is and, and what, what even the Bible says about him, there's all these different voices and in our 
blindness, if you will. We can latch on to just a couple of those voices and say, this is what I believe God is like. And I'm just here to say today that this church, at the core of its purpose, is to help you know God, what he's like, how you can know him. That's why we're here. That you could know what this God is like that we gather on Sundays in worship. That you could know how much he loves and cares for you personally. That you could understand what he has to say to you as we look at the Bible, his word. And your children have learned some of that this week. And because I'm the pastor and I'm up here right now, I just want to invite you back. Next Sunday and through the rest of the summer, we're going to be on a series. I'm just calling it God's Top Ten List. It's about the Ten Commandments. It's as if God uh, thought of what is most important. What do, what do people need to understand as they think about my way? And he made a list of ten. And it's going to come alive for us because we live in a world that's like a, like a whirlpool where all these ideas about God and what's right and what's wrong are swirling around, and they're swirling around us, and we can get caught in that whirlpool and sucked under, believing some stuff that's not even true. But I want to take the rest of the summer and, and walk through those with us. And it's so practical. I hope you'll come back. If you're not a regular here, come back and give it a try. Next Sunday's Father's Day, and every dad that walks in gets a gift. Um, so uh, come back. It's not a snow cone. Sorry. But <laughs> you're going to give. God's top ten list. Let me go back to where I started. Two things that God is not. He's not uninvolved in this world, and he's not uninvolved in our lives. Not uninvolved in this world. The truth is, God made plans for this world from beginning to end. And he's ultimately still over it all. So he is definitely involved in this world today. And secondly, not uninvolved in our lives. God was putting you together before anybody else saw you. He's been involved with your life from the beginning, and he really knows you. That doesn't have to be a frightening thought. That can be a very comforting thought. He knows me. So I have a question for you. Oh, can you do one more there? There we go. I'm wondering if there's a barrier between you and God. Because he loves you. He knows you and loves you because he has a plan for you that he'd like you to live out in this world, to be so fulfilling to carry out his plan. What stops most people is there, there's something between us. Now, that can be sin, but, but it, can be, it can be anger at God for hurts that you believe he caused. It can be, it can be misconceptions about who God is and what he's like. Is there a barrier between you and God? Something that you've held on to because of something bad that happened in your life? Or something that's made you question that he's good? Is there a barrier 
in your life. And I want to give you the opportunity to let it go. One of the most impactful, simple spiritual illustrations that has affected my life, really helped me spiritually, is the understanding of letting go, of surrender, of letting God have my life. So I use a pen as an illustration, and you know, if somebody hands you a pen, you take hold of it, they release it, and you get it. And, and that would be the handoff to God that, that we need to have. If there's a barrier in our lives, we need to take whatever that barrier is, and we need to hand it over to God. But here's what I found. As a human being, there's times that we go, okay, God, you take it. And then he grabs the other end of it, and we don't let go. In fact, we pull back. Because we're still going to hold on to that hurt. We're still going to let that barrier exist because we think we can do it better than God, maybe. And we pull it back. Now, here's what helped me the most. If I surrender to God, I come like this to God and I say, God, you can have it. Notice I can't hold on to the pen when I'm palms down. I let it go. Did you get that? I let it go. And this morning I'm wondering if you're holding on to something, if you would let it go. It could be the most profound thing that would happen to you in this year if you would just let go of that one thing and say, God, I've held on too long. I'm sorry. I'm going to start to trust you. I'm going I'm I'm to ask you to prove to me that you are good. I'm going to let go of whatever that hindrance has been. Whatever I've been holding on to, I'm going to let it go. Would you bow your heads with me and try to close out the distractions around you? Because I know God's speaking to people, and he has a way of of actually just kind of putting his finger on that thing (laughs) that we're supposed to let go of. It's really an amazing way that God deals with us, and he and he's trying to help us when he does that. Sometimes it feels a little uncomfortable because we, we, we want to hold on to it. We come to God with our hands right side up and we're pulling back because we want to hold on to it. And God would say to you, let it go. And we need to turn our hands over. Sometimes I do that physically, literally. I turn my hands over and spread my fingers so that everything is released to God. Would you do that right now? If there's something you need to release to God, would you do that right now? He, he knows you, and he cares for you. He has a plan for your life that you're not going to be able to improve on. All you need to do is say, God, here I am. I'm letting go, releasing to you those things that have been the barrier between us. Let me pray for you. Jesus, Thank you for this simple truth. And I pray today across this room that there would be people who would recognize, because you're helping them see it, that that thing they need to let go of. And as they release it to you, I pray that you would embrace them 
with a reassurance that you know and you care about them, with a reassurance that you have a plan that's good for their lives, and you're ready to work with them on that plan. And I know it starts when we release, when we let you have those things that are the barrier, we let go. So thank you, God, that you met us here this morning. Thank you for the, the, the joys and the, the beauty of these kids and their, their knowledge and their energy and the thrill of being able to have them together for a week in this place. I pray your blessing on each household uh, that's been represented here this week, Lord, and, and pray that the rest of this summer is going to be a, a great time of, of kids still learning more about God even when they're not in school and learning more about life, and that you will bless each household with your help and your provision. I pray your blessing now on the food that we're about to partake, and that, uh, that you'll bless us as we go and, and have fun together, and that as we thank you again for all that you've done this week, Lord, you're the one who gets all the credit, because it's your word, the Bible, that we were learning and growing in, and the truth of it. We want to thank you again for that, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm done. All right. Are, are you hungry for hot dogs? I am. All right. Okay. Um, Cheryl is going to be over there at the door. She's got a ticket that will help you get a snow cone later. So um, let's go down the hall and let's have some hot dogs and snow cones. <laughs>